Good morning. Good morning. Oh, good morning, everyone. We're about to get started. Cleaning team number one is up this week. And there is an activities committee meeting, meeting, meeting <laughs> this Tuesday, May 4th, and that's in the fellowship hall at 6.30. Also, there is a nursery meeting immediately following this uh, service this morning. I need some more coffee. <laughs> uh, also, don't forget, every Tuesday, uh, there is a Zoom Bible study meeting with Pastor Larry, and it's uh, 8 o'clock, so be sure and join us. It's a good time uh, with everybody on Zoom. It's a great study. Also, the next few slides are regarding our upcoming youth event. Please don't forget, um, it's called Arise, and it's going to take place in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. That's from July 19th through the 22nd. But today is the last day to sign up, and they're in a time crunch um, to get these tickets to put the event together, to get transportation, um, just to uh, plan this trip. So make sure if you're planning on going that you sign up. We really need to get as many youth there as we can. And so to help with the costs, they've got a couple of fundraisers going on. One is uh, Coney Dog Kits. You can purchase those $25 a kit. You can see what each kit includes. And the money for those kits are due by May 16th. They do have a booth set up out in the vestibule if you want to stop in there and sign up to order your kit or kits. <laughs> also, there is a can and bottle drive taking place. So this is also another way of making money to cut the cost. Um, so make sure you drop your cans and bottles off here every Sunday. Um, or if you can't bring them here, just schedule a um, pickup. That'll be with Katie Hoppert or with Chevy Hoppert. Also, um, besides uh, the two that I mentioned, uh, there's also just sponsoring um, some of our youth. You can give money um, to Lakeside. You, if you write a check, make sure you put in the memo section um, arise so they know what where the money is allocated to so you can sponsor one of our youth to go also in that way thank you Good morning everyone let's have everyone stand we're gonna sing he keeps me singing
pretty loud, aren't I? Tune me down just a little bit, guys. Good to see you. I noticed when Linda was giving announcements, uh, she was, if you want to give this money to this, you want to give money to this, you want to give money to this. Um, we have a pastor poor fund around here, too, if you want to give to it. And, and I just wondered, uh, I heard about a pastor that got up one morning to the, uh, in front of his people, and he said, I've got good news and I've got bad news he said the good news is we have enough money to pay off all of our debt here at church boy people started clapping he said now the bad news is it's still in your pocket <laughs> so uh, I'll just let that speak for itself <laughs> it is good to worship isn't it together together to be thankful for what God has done for us the previous week and what God will do for us this coming week. I have a special friend here this morning I want to recognize. Butch Carver's with us today. And Butch, we're, we're thankful you're here and, and uh, thankful for your family. And, and we've been keeping in touch on, on uh, texting and Facebook. And uh, if you're visiting with us, we just don't want you to feel like a visitor. Uh, you only visit here one time and and after that, you become part of the family. So we, we encourage you to worship the Lord no matter who you are. And uh, if you're here today and you're seeking the Lord, uh, he said you'll find me when you search after me with all your heart. So I'm glad that there's a God. When I didn't know where to turn, he came looking for me. And uh, I'm glad he found me. One writer said in a waste howling wilderness. But I'm glad he found me anyway, no matter where I was, no matter where you were. Uh, God loves us and God cares for us. Uh, we're blessed as God's people, are we not? Thankful for the good songs that have already been sung. Looking forward to what is yet to be sung. Looking forward to sharing God's word with you today. <clears throat> and I hope and pray that each and every one of us are, are doing better. And I don't want to point anybody out, but Miranda, we're glad you're doing better. Thank God that he watched over you and cared for you. And uh, if you've had a rough week, how many of you had a rough week? If you had a rough week, aren't you glad you got a God that can take care of all the rough road, all the rough edges, all the rocky cliffs? He's still God, isn't he? Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this precious, precious day that we have. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you, God, for reaching down because we couldn't reach up high enough. Thank you for searching us out. Thank you for bringing your word to us and awakening us to the precious need in our lives, and that being Christ Jesus the Lord. And Father, I pray today, should there be somebody present today without Jesus, may this be the day, the hour, they humble their heart before you. And for those of us, Lord, that, that know you in the free pardon of sin, may this be a time and an opportunity for us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for all of us that are gathered here today. May your blessings rest upon us as we lift our praise and our worship toward heaven to give you all the honor and all the glory. In the precious, precious name of Jesus, 
Amen. Thought I forgot, didn't you? Yeah. What's that? No, no, no. I'm just checking you out. Let's do it together. James 1, 2, through 3. Now, when you're looking at the, especially the book of James, sometimes it uses the word temptation. Sometimes it uses the word trial. If you go study the original uh, Greek language, and I'm certainly far from an expert in that, but if you go to study that word, the same word is translated temptation sometimes, and uh, it's also translated trials. But the Bible tells us in the book of James that there is no temptation. Temptation is, a, is a, something that comes into our life that wants us to do wrong. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. So a temptation comes from Satan and it comes from what we have in our minds and what we have given to previously. A trial is either sent by God to us or allowed by God in our lives to grow us closer and stronger in our faith, to draw us closer to the likeness of Almighty God. Do you know as a saved individual that God's desire for you is to be like Jesus? That we may know him, Paul said, and the power of his resurrection. We have resurrection power living within us. So there's nothing, nothing that we cannot do if we do it by the grace and the strength of God. The Bible said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. All things. So when we say, I can't, what we're really saying is, I choose not to. I won't. Because if God wants us to, he will provide the power and the strength for us to do so. Let's go out of this place this morning, no matter what God does in this service. And I'm expecting God to show up. I've, in fact, I already sense him. But let's leave here today, no matter what transpires, with a newfound determination to serve the Lord. And if we'll go out to our jobs and our, and, and our recreation and whatever you're going to do this week, if we present Jesus, I promise you that Jesus will present himself to people. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Let's lift him up this week. God bless you.
seems a little strange that he'd be doing a Christian album. Um, can't think of his name. He must be your favorite. He is one of my very favorite entertainers, my favorite keyboardist. And <laughs> they, they've recorded Christian albums. And... Uh, Interesting that they have four songs on each one, and I know there was no connection to them doing this, but four songs on each one of the same songs. They both did Amazing Grace, they both did uh, The Old Red Cross, and they both did um, How Great Thou Art. One other one that they did is a Bill Gaither song. 
because he lives. And we're going to do that this morning. If you know the words, sing along with them. We don't have it on the screen, uh, but he would sing it to you.
And that singer was Harry Connick, Jr. If you recall, a few weeks back, I preached on if there be no resurrection. If he doesn't live, we're just wasting our time this morning. If he's not alive today, uh, all hope is gone. But thank God there is a hope that rests in a risen Savior, an empty tomb, and a life that can be changed by the grace of Almighty God. Join me in the fifth chapter of the book of Isaiah, if you will. Isaiah chapter 5. When you found that, if you're able, would you stand? We're going to read God's word. We're going to look at the first, I think, seven verses. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. How many got a Bible? Amen. That's good to see Bibles. I'm seeing more and more little compact uh, uh, computers that's got Bibles on them. That's okay. The Word of God, the Word of God's the Word of God, no matter what it's printed on. And it shall stand forever. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. I'm getting a little bit of an echo, if you guys can help me back there. Thank you. The writer says this, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard than I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes? And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste, and shall not, uh, it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. And the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. I think I'll just stop right there. Let's be seated. Thank you for reading along with me. I'm still getting an echo, guys, if you can help me out. I don't know what causes it. I apologize to you. I know I say that every week, but um, somehow, some way, we get an echo. Are you all hearing the echo? No? You're okay? All right. I want you to keep your Bibles open, if you will. I want to take a look at some things that are in this scripture. The Bible tells us that a vineyard has been made, developed. 
Now, as I read this and some of the commentaries that I went to, uh, I disagree with. Um, I believe the vineyard represents the church, God's people, the saved people, if you will. And the scripture tells us here that my beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now, my beloved, I believe, is God. And as we look at this, he said, it's a, in a fruitful hill. And I looked up the meaning of the word in the original language in Hebrew. And I don't, I don't say this to make you all think that I, I know Hebrew and Greek, because I don't. I have to rely on things that help me to tell me what those kinds of things mean. But one of the meanings of fruitful is the idea of bringing forth children. It's the idea of a husband and a wife coming together and there be a creation of children made. And folks, I believe with all of my heart that we are the church that God expects, and I don't mean just Lakeside, I'm talking about all believers, that God expects us to have children along the way. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is when our husband and his bride, the church, come together, there ought to be, every now and then at least, there ought to be somebody that recognizes that they need a savior. And in recognizing that, it's our duty and job and responsibility and joy that we present him in such a way that people want this same God that you and I want. I wonder in our individual lives, when people look at us, I wonder if they say, I, I see something different about Larry. I see something different, and you can fill your name in the blank. I see something about that person that I don't have. I see a, a faith. I see a, a something in their lives that keeps them going in some of the toughest times that they'll ever face. And I want to know what is it that they have that I don't have? What is it that they possess that I probably don't possess? And at least that it puts a hunger in their lives to seek out and to recognize that they can have the same God that you and I have. So it's the idea of bringing forth children and fruitful also means or has the uh, idea of anointing with oil. Uh, in, in the scripture, when you see oil presented, it's most always a representation of the Holy Spirit. So if, if Lakeside or any other body that meets this morning is to experience the joy of seeing children come into the family of God, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit of God. This is not something that a pastor can do. I can preach and I try my very best to preach what God lays on my heart and the way that God gives it to me, but I can't save 
anybody and you can't save anybody. But we, in, in following the spirit of the living God, we can create such an atmosphere. And we saw a, a little glimpse of it here this morning as we sung our songs and God began to work in our lives and God began to bless people when people who are lost, who have not Christ in their lives, begin to see that there is something joyous about serving the Lord, that there's something in, in calling yourself a child of God that excites us and gives us a, a pure joy down on the inside. When people can see that, I believe it whets their appetite. They begin to say, what do they have that I don't have? How can I get what they have that I don't have? And then uh, it said, it, it, it puts it in a, uh, a context and says that uh, it talks about a hill. And I, I, I looked up that word and, and, and the best that I can understand in my uh, finite wisdom, I think about the hill of Calvary. I think about what happened there that uh, was significant in the life of everybody that would ever come into existence uh, and that is that Jesus Christ the Son of God on the cross of Calvary died for my sin died for your sin gave his life that we might have everlasting life gave of himself that you and I could one day when we leave this life we can go to be with him in the world to come. Aren't you glad today that you belong to a man, a savior that has died in your place? Because I don't know how you see the scripture, but if I understand it correctly, Calvary should have been my destination. Calvary should have been what I suffered. But Jesus said, I'll go in your place. I'll die in your place. And I'll give you life life everlasting, life eternal in me. Praise the Lord. And then the Bible said he fenced it. Now, when, if you're like me, when you're uh, you think of that little white fence out there that we've got, or you think of a chain link fence. That's not what it meant in biblical times. In biblical times, it meant to take a mattock and to loosen the ground. And I can almost see uh, uh, in this vineyard as it's being planned out, I can almost see uh, the mattock going in the ground and trying to do a straight line this way and a line this way and a line back this way and a line back this way, uh, uh, if you will, uh, putting the territory out. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to know today that uh, one definition of this is to grub it over. That means to dig shallowly and make a hole or a channel by your digging. I want you to understand something. Uh, God has planned out from the very beginning of time, even before that in eternity past God had a plan of salvation and looking down through the corridor of time God saw me and you as a nine year old boy behind a piano 
in a vacation Bible school, God came to where I was. When I couldn't come to him, when I didn't have the strength, I didn't have the know-how, God came to me and God said to me, I want you, I'll save you if you'll just simply place your faith and your trust in me. And so he fenced it and then he gathered out the stones. You all understand if you put a garden out, you've got to remove every obstacle that's in that garden so the the crops that you plant can grow. And God is saying here, uh, I'm going to break up your fallow ground. Uh, I want you to, to have a ground that is able to produce the fruit that I desire to make in it. Then the Bible said he planted it. He planted it. Uh, You'll find that in uh, verse 2. He planted it with the choicest vine. I'll come back to the vine in just a moment. But he planted it. Uh, This was God's doing. Salvation is not something you and I drum up in our minds. It's not something that you and I conjure up. Salvation is a plan that God Almighty put in place. Back before the world was ever formed, God knew that he would create man from the dust of the earth, but he also knew that man would sin. And in sinning, God said there has to be a plan. I read one time, where a man said uh, when Adam sinned, God had to change his plan because he didn't realize that Adam would not uh, stay innocent. I don't believe a word of that. I believe God had a plan in place. He knew man would fall, and so he already had in his own mind, he had Jesus ready to go to the cross to die for our sins. The Bible said that he planted it, the death, the burial, the resurrection of his His precious son, God had it in mind for your redemption so you could go to heaven. And then the choicest vine, very simply, that's Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus tells us so. I am the vine. I am that life-giving source. In this garden, there was a vine that was planted. If you plant in a natural garden, you've got to plant something that'll grow and reproduce. And in the garden of Almighty God, he planted the choicest vine. What does the word choicest mean? It means two things, in my opinion. It means that God chose Jesus to be the redemption of the world and Jesus accepted that and said I'll go and I'll do your will but it also comes down to you and I making a choice what is salvation when I first started preaching I was told by a lot of older preachers you should never refer to salvation as a choice and so for a while I tried to steer away from that and I just kept coming back to it and back to it and finally I asked some of them Uh, Why do you tell me that? It is a choice. Uh, It's a choice that's presented before you and I. And we can say yes, and we can say no, or or, or we can turn him away, or we can accept him. And if we accept him, we have life everlasting, eternal life, the choicest vine. Now, I also read where the choicest vine would produce red and blue grapes. 
a blending, if I understood it correctly, of red and blue. If you go back to the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Exodus, and you read about some colors, you'll find that red represents scarlet or blood. And you'll find that purple is a mixture of red and uh, uh, blue, thank you. And blue is sort of the heavenly color, if you will. And so when you mix the two, you get purple. And purple throughout the Bible designates those that uh, are in royalty. And so I say to you, in the blood of Jesus Christ, we are made royal. We are a royal priesthood, one New Testament writer called us. A royal priesthood, somebody, that is somebody. If you go out into this world and you go up and down the streets of Newport and you ask who Larry Head is. Most of them will have no idea who I am. But let me tell you something. In the scope of God's eternity, in the book of life, my name is recorded. And God said, because you placed your faith and your trust in me, I shall record you in the Lamb's book of life. I'm glad God knows who I am, aren't you? Aren't you glad he knows who you are? So the choicest vine is Christ. But we got a, a choice means to make a choice. Jesus or, or God in the Old Testament said this. In the book of Deuteronomy, he said, I've set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. But the verse doesn't stop there. The verse has an encouragement in it. And the verse says, beyond I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, it says, therefore, because you're confronted with a choice, therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live forever. Let me tell you something. When you get saved, it doesn't just give you everlasting life to get ready to go to heaven, but it says something to your offspring. It says something to your children. It says something to your grandchildren about you believing and trusting in Jesus. And I suppose today the most important thing that we'll ever do in our lives is to make a choice for Christ. Then it said that he built uh, a tower in the midst of it. Now that word built can also be interpreted as uh, he erected a house or even a temple. But a tower, I, I found it very interesting when I looked at the word tower. It actually means an elevated place nearby the vineyard an elevated place. And they would put watchmen in these towers. And the watchmen, having been elevated, would look and they would see, they would keep an eye on the vineyard. And when the varmints, the animals, would try to come in and eat of that vineyard, the watchman had a way of signaling to other people to come and drive the varmints away. So in other words, they had a watchtower. I'm telling you today, Jesus is our watchtower because another name or another way of interpreting uh, the, the tower here is pulpit. Now, this is my pulpit for right now. 
We're, we, uh, some of you have asked this, so let me just uh, speak to this. Whatever happened to our cross pulpit? It's made out of wood. It's tough to disinfect in the COVID uh, arena. So we started using this, uh, but just as soon as we feel safe enough for COVID, we'll bring the other one back out. What difference does it make anyway, uh, whether I'm doing this or that? You know what a pulpit is? And, and notice that this was in a raised area. It was in an area where it was high and lifted up. Uh, now, I'm not trying to say to you that I'm high and lifted up, but when the pulpit gets high and lifted up, it's got the Word of God coming out of it. Uh, and when the Word of God comes out of it, uh, it ought to be high and lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. It's our job, church, to lift him up. It's our job to somehow, some way in our lives to lift up Jesus Christ. Because when we lift, he draws. Amen? When we lift, he draws. Not our job to draw. Not our job to save. And I have to keep telling myself this over and over and over again. Larry, it's your job to study throughout the week. It's your job to discern what I want to say through you, God speaking to me. It's your job, Larry, to proclaim. It's your job to tell. It's your job to lift me up. And then uh, at that point, uh, the rest of it belongs to me, the Holy Spirit says. Uh, when, I, when I get a hold uh, of the words that come, I'm speaking as God now, when God gets it's a hold of the words that come out of my mouth. God knows just exactly where to direct those words and what to say to that heart that needs them the most. And so I'm confident that if I do my job, the Holy Spirit of God will do his job. And then it rests with you, whatever you do with the word of God. Let me just tell you what I think about the plan of salvation in a nutshell. God Almighty, he had a plan, as I've already told you, from before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ fulfilled that plan as he went to the cross, hung, bled, and died, and rose from the dead. Now the Holy Spirit takes that and brings it to an individual's heart. He brings it to people. And the Bible uses the word he convicts. To convict means to convince. When you are convinced that that God is calling you, that's the very moment you should respond to God. And it's so simple. So when the Holy Spirit convinces, it's the job of the church. We got a role in this. And our role is to pray as the gospel goes out. Our role is to lift him up. Our role is to sing. Our role is to do everything that we can to help people understand that the God that's being proclaimed inside of these walls is somebody that can help you. I've, I've read it from cover to cover on several occasions. I've gone back to it on many, many occasions in different scripture. And I have yet to find that when a person is saved and we become a part of the church, that our job is just to fill a pew. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. I'll stand corrected. The, there is no spiritual gift of sitting down 
and just listening. Now listen to me, folks, because this is going to make some of you uncomfortable. But when you say, well, I'm old and I did my part years ago, you still have a part in the house of God. And you say, I'm too young. If you're saved, you're not too young. If you have been saved by the glorious gospel of Jesus, you've got just as much of a testimony as the oldest person in this room or the, or the strongest Christian in this room. You still have a role. It's the role of the church. And sometimes, dear friend, I wonder when people come and visit, do they want to come back? What do you think that draws them back? I'll tell you what I think draws them back. Obviously, it's the Spirit of the Lord, but here's what I think. I think singing can draw people back. But I don't think if we just get up here and, 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 and sing like you sing in the shower, I sing in the car. And I roll my windows up when I do because I don't want anybody to have to listen to that except me and the Lord. I'm glad God said make a joyful noise because that's about all I can make anymore. But I, I try to do that. But we are blessed beyond measure in this church with people who can lift their voices for the glory and the honor of Almighty God. I'm trying to stay away from something, so bear with me. If it comes back one more time, you'll get her. Uh, think about the role of the church. Let me just ask you, and don't raise your hand, don't acknowledge, but while I'm preaching, are you praying? There are some churches that actually designate certain people each week to not be in the sanctuary, to be outside in another room and praying for the service that's going on in here. Now, we don't do that, but you can still pray. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. You don't have to move your lips to pray. All you got to do is get a hold of God. And, and listen, if you and I are praying, and that'll shake heaven, I believe. That'll help somebody. If you're here today and you're confident in your heart that you're saved and you're going to heaven, if I ask you to respond to this, and I don't want you to, but if I ask you to respond to this, how many of you would like to see somebody that's here this morning that's either not saved or not sure about their salvation? How would you like to see them leave this place today? Would you like to see them confident that they're saved by God's grace? I suspect every hand would go up, but how do we do that? We present a gospel that is magnificent in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the world. And filling a pew is not it, folks. It just isn't. Now I'm going to get on some of you folks that completed the last Master Life class. This is what I started to say two times ago and it didn't come. Me and God have a formula. If he gives it to me once and I think I don't want to mess with it, I leave it alone. If I'm not sure it's from him. If he gives it to me the second time, I'm pretty sure it's from him, but I don't want to mess with it because I'm afraid what you'll say to me. <laughs> but if I get it the third time, me and you'll choke on it. And I heard about people in that, in that Master Life class wanted to sing. In fact, I heard you had a group together that was going to sing. Now, unless I miss something, I've not seen you sing. 
Now, I, I know I'm picking on you, but this, this can be applied to every single one of us. Every single one of us in this place. Do you know when we stand to our feet, the reason most of us stand is because somebody else is standing. And the reason we, many of us sing, I don't stand. When you get to be 71 years old and you're carrying this around, it's hard for me to stand from the time that I'm preaching to you. So I try to rest a little bit before I get up. But in all sincerity, we have, we, the church, has a responsibility to those that need Jesus or need to hear from the Lord. We have a responsibility to present an atmosphere of joy. Let me just ask it to you this way. If you were visiting here this morning, would you want to come back? I think there's some things we see that maybe we want to come back. Uh, I better leave that alone. Let me get back to my message and, and, and share with you. So uh, it says he built a tower. He built a pulpit. It is from here that the word of God goes out. I have such a great responsibility, but I counted all joy. When God called me to preach, I said to him, and I, I unashamedly tell you, God, I've never read, never heard about you making a mistake, but you made one now. I cannot do this. If you search the pages of this book, the phrase I just said, I cannot, is not in here. Well, you're getting quiet now, aren't you? So he built a tower. He built a pulpit. The word goes out. The word, it's not by my power. It's not by what I want to see happen. If, if it were what I wanted to see happen, they'd be dozens getting saved every week. But I'm, I, I'm honest with you as I know how to be. We need a little pep. We need to let the spirit get a hold of us a little bit. We need to be people that are open to the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, I wasn't raised that way. Maybe you weren't, but why do you think God sent you here? You say, well, when God sent me here, you wasn't preaching quite like this. That's so we could get you in the door and ambush you, I suppose. I don't know. But I'm telling you, God has moved in my heart. And if this church... And I'm going to get away from this in just a minute. If we would understand the power that we have, I'm not asking you to put on a show. I'm asking you to respond to the Lord. I'm asking you to lift up Jesus. And the Bible said he put a tower in the midst, in the middle, in the center. What should be the center of every church? It should be the gospel going. Good singing's good, but the gospel will change lives. It's the gospel that'll move in people's hearts. And so then he built a wine press. Now let me tell you, and I'm not an authority on this by any stretch, but best I can understand, there was some sort of device that was placed either in the vineyard or alongside the vineyard or nearby the vineyard. And when the grapes were harvested, the grapes would be put into what was called a wine vat, V-A-T. And it was usually cut out of a rock. And that wine vat 
had two compartments to it. Had an upper compartment and a lower compartment. And in that upper uh, compartment, all the grapes were dumped in there and they were crushed. And then the, the grape juice would flow through an opening into the lower part of the wine vat and there the juice would drain into that. So the juice was separated from the pulp, if you will. I'm here to tell you that according to the scripture that Jesus tread the winepress of the wrath of God all by himself. That red juice that came out represents Jesus on the cross. His blood being shed for me and for you and the wrath of Almighty God rested upon Jesus. The wrath that you and I should have suffered. The wrath that you and I should have had uh, bestowed to us was placed on him and his righteousness became ours. And then the Bible said that the man that's looking at the wine press, the Bible said he, he looked and that word means he patiently and eagerly waited. He was waiting. I promise you today, if you feel a need of responding to Jesus, it's because he's patiently and eagerly waiting for you. He's calling for you. He's asking for you, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Listen to this. I will give you rest. Amen. Boy, I tell you, if you want rest in your soul, you can find it in Christ. And then, let me soon close with this. He said it brought forth grapes and brought forth wild grapes. The grapes, I suspect, represent those that are saved and the wild grapes, those that are lost. And then, as you go home and read this in verses 4 and 5, he asked two questions. What more could be done? What more? The, the, the wine dresser, vine dresser, God himself, is saying, what more could I have done? I've done everything I could, and I'm looking for response, and I'm not getting what I'm expecting to see. God, I told you, had a plan of salvation. Jesus fulfilled it. The Holy Spirit draws. The church presents Jesus and then there's one more personality that's involved in this, and that's you. You've got to believe it. You've got to accept it. And it's as pure and as simple as that. Believe it and accept it. If thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? That's Bible. That's Bible. You say, well, I'm, I'm looking for. <laughs> you don't need to look for if thou shalt believe in thine heart, the Holy Spirit says to you, Jesus is the one, and you're willing to accept that, I'm telling you, he'll free your heart and help you to understand that you're saved by his grace. And then he says, if you don't, listen to the next question. And now go to verse 5. I will tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. In other words, if, if you don't respond... I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And what he's going to do is to destroy the vineyard. He, there was a hedge around it. I'm going to remove it. He says it'll be eaten up. That word means to burn. 
It speaks of God's wrath. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you need to be very careful that you don't fall into this category because as God's Holy Spirit comes and speaks to your heart, that's the time to respond. And I tell you, if I came down here and, and, and I responded to God and I didn't get satisfied, I wouldn't move one inch till I did. I don't care if it took till 4 o'clock this afternoon. I would not move one inch until God gives me an answer, until I have placed my faith and my trust because he's starting to say, I'm going to remove the hedge and bless your heart when God removes the hedge. You say God wouldn't do that. I beg to pardon with you. God will do that. God is saying, I'm giving you every chance available. But if you don't take it at some point in time, I know there's some that believe that once you're convicted, that holds true for the rest of your life. I don't see it that way. I see where it says the Holy Spirit of God, when God's Spirit draws on your heart, and if God's Spirit doesn't draw on your heart, you can't be saved. I've told this story, I'm going to tell it again. When I grew up as a boy, a very large church, listen very closely to me, and pray while I'm telling this. Right about through here, a man stood up, I was in revival service, and he stood up before the service actually started, before they sang, before they said it. People were still mulling around and talking. Wouldn't it be something, I know I've said this before, don't let me forget about that story, but wouldn't it be something if when we came in to here, we weren't asking each other, how'd your week go? How's things on the job? How's your kids doing? How's your grandkids doing? What if we came through the front door with a desire in our heart to say, God, I come to meet with you today. I've come to worship you. I've not come to catch up on the church gossip. I've not come to check up on who's doing what and how they're doing that and what I saw on Facebook. I'm coming to serve you. Wouldn't it be something if we came in and took our seats and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move in somebody's heart and somebody popped up and, and gave a testimony at 10 minutes to 11? You say, well, church hadn't started. Church will start when you start. Amen. Amen. Church will start when I start. Church will start when you and I mean business with the Lord. When I pastored at Carleton, back in the early, late 70s and early 80s, we had finished our evening service. We just had a little dinky building. It wasn't big as this, about half of that maybe. <clears throat> we shut the doors. Somebody locked the doors, and they turned the lights out. Everybody was out in the front yard, and as Baptists do, they started talking. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, best of my recollection, somebody started singing a song. Next thing I knew, people were testifying. Next thing I knew, some were shouting. Next thing I knew, we were having church outside of church. We, I don't even remember what went on inside. Evidently, it wasn't eventful. But what went in in the churchyard got my attention. And what happened in the churchyard got God's attention. So are we confined? Let me just leave all of that. What did I tell you to help me remember? That, 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 huh? The guy in church, the guy in the church. So he stood up. He addressed the pastor. 
may I say a few words? Pastor said, sure, go ahead. He turned, he faced everybody. They had two sections. And here's what he said. He said, for a number of years, God spoke to my heart and called me to be saved. I rejected him. I turned him away. I said, no, you could, you could just, however you want to phrase it, I turned him away. And he said, the last time, I can recall the last time that I turned him away. And ever since then, I've never felt the drawing power of God. And he said, if I don't, I want you to understand something. When I die, I'm going to hell. Can you imagine something like that coming out of somebody's mouth? I'm going to die and go to hell. I thought I was just a little kid sitting on the other side of the house. I would have thought, and I, don't, I guess I wasn't even saved probably. I thought just those words should have filled the altar. If I would, had any doubt whatsoever, I said I would have come. But think about this. We come here every Sunday, and we are confronted with a decision. And many people say to me, Pastor, I'm not ready yet to make a decision. Please understand what I'm about to say to you. You make a decision every time you sit underneath the gospel. You either say yes to it or you say no to it. It, it, There is no wait when you're sitting under the gospel. Ask those two men in the book of Acts who squandered their life away because they said, I'll just wait a little while longer. And so here they are. And the scripture says that he would remove the protection of the wall. That means that Satan evidently is going to have free reign with some of us. And I want to read you something. And and listen real closely to what I'm reading. This is found, if you want to read it when you get home, it's in the 21st chapter of Matthew, verses 42, 43, and 44. Words of Jesus, listen. Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? That's a way of speaking about Christ. The stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, Jesus speaking through this whole thing, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruits thereof. Here's the verse I want you to focus on. And whosoever shall fall On this stone, remember that stone represents Jesus. Whomsoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. I think that brokenness is conviction. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to power, powder. So what's that mean, preacher? That means in your life, if you fall on Jesus, there's hope, everlasting hope of eternal life. But if you reject him and he falls on you, he brings judgment on you, there is no hope. There is no hope. Listen to what the word of God says, and I close with this. He says, 
in this garden. I'm not going to dig it. I'm not going to prune it. I'm not going to take the briars and the thorns and no more rain. I think what he's saying is no more conviction, no more drawing. The Holy Spirit's going to go silent, just like I told you about that man. Now, you may disagree with that, and, and that's your, your prerogative. But God Almighty gave me this, and I'm just going to dump everything I know to dump. God is saying to us today, somebody, and I believe there's more than one somebody. I believe God is saying to us today, I've, I've got a choice vine. His name is Jesus. And if you want him, you can have him. It's simply your choice. He's done everything. I already outlined it for you. They've done everything they can, the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And if we've done everything we can, it falls to the individual. So I'm asking you to bow your heads with me, if you would. Every head bowed. Please don't pay any attention to anything going on around you. Everybody be as still as you know how to be. Please. He said he planted it with the choicest vine. He has given us opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. But the choice is no longer God's choice. He's already made his choice. The choice now belongs to me and you. The choice is ours. The choice is to be made before God. Do you want him today? Will you come to him with a repentant heart? Will you trust him? Will you give him your life? He gave you his. He gave it for you that you would have this great opportunity. While every head is bowed, Christians are praying. If God spoke to your heart through this message, I ask you just to get up out of your seat and come for prayer. Don't have to do anything. Nobody needs to know why you're coming. You just come. You do what God wants you to do. You trust the Lord. You trust him. He said, those that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I, in other words, I will not turn you away. I'll give you life everlasting. All heads are bowed. Some are praying. Just come. Just come do what God wants you to do. Call on the name of the Lord. God will give you an answer. I declare he will. Don't wait. Wait too long, the opportunity may escape us. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Pour your heart out to him. Just tell him. Talk to him like you'd talk to your dearest friend. Talk to him like you'd talk to your mom or your dad, your son, your daughter. Just talk to him. Ask him. God Almighty, save me today. Give me a peace, whatever that means in your life. Give me peace. How about you?
while they're softly playing, while you're praying. Preacher, I've got plenty of time. I hope you do. But you might not. What are you going to do with Jesus today? Continue to pray. Let's stand.
Let's sing. Let's continue to pray. Others may need to come. Don't be ashamed to come. Don't ever be ashamed of Jesus. He loves you so much. He wants the very best for you. While we sing, while others are praying, while some are contemplating, you do whatever God lays on your heart to do. Somebody here struggling, you're not sure you're saved. You're not confident of that. You ought to get confident. You ought to trust Him. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate your attendance. We would appreciate your prayers. As we leave this place today, uh, you follow the Lord. I don't know what to do at this point other than to say I've done everything I feel like I can do. I love you and I appreciate you.
bless you. Liberty to go.